0: Hello, everyone. I'm David Reed. Welcome to episode 75 of Dial the Gate. 75 episodes. We've been going since October. Boy, oh boy, quite a ride. And thank you for subscribing if you are a subscriber. 10,000 people. Uh, 10,300 subscribers I think last uh, last check so just just can't believe it can't believe uh, our success uh, within the past uh, just few months here and just very very thankful for it. I have a wonderful guest uh, standing by here Mr. Gary chalk is uh, going to be joining us uh, in just a moment but first if you like Stargate and you want to see more content like this on YouTube it would mean a great deal. If you click the like button, it really makes a difference with YouTube's algorithm and will definitely help the show grow its audience. And please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. And if you want to get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. Giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops and you'll get my notifications of any last minute guest changes. This is key if you plan on watching live because, you know, these actors and, and crew, they are working and you know things things come up, and clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next several days on the GateWorld.net YouTube channel. Really means a lot to me that you're here, and that goes the same for Mister Gary Chalk. Hello, sir. How are Hi, you doing? I am well.
1: You?
0: I'm keeping busy.
1: Well, so me too. Yes, it's been uh, <laughs> it's been a crazy few months. I gotta I gotta say.
0: Absolutely. Been.
1: Uh, <laughs> Funnily enough, doing a lot of traveling, but uh, it's not like you think. Uh, I'm going over to the island uh, and I've uh, worked over there a couple of times on films. And I've been in Calgary a few times working on TV series. And uh, it's, uh, aside from the work, it's incredibly boring. You, uh, <laughs> you You go to job, you go to the set and you work and that's great fun. You have a mask on all the time except for when they were yelled rolling and then the mask comes off and then they yell cut and the mask goes on (laughs) and you get tested every few days. And, uh, you get, uh, you know, you've got to get your temperature and everything every morning before you come to work and fill out the questionnaire. And, but, uh, then it's just set hotel set Mm. hotel. And in the hotel, everything's closed. All the restaurants are closed. So when, uh, you know, you get room service a little bit in the morning, but uh, nothing else. So I'd i take into uh, ordering Chinese food in the <laughs> <So>, hotel. <laughs> well, everything's closed. You know, yeah. there's only takeout to go. So um, it's a uh, hotel hotel set, set hotel. And the same thing in in, Cal- or, uh, in Victoria. I just finished a film there a couple of weeks, well, a week and a half ago. And it was... Hotel set, set hotel, hotel set, set hotel. You know, wow.
0: I mean, it's got to be. I'm sure you're thanking your lucky stars that you're working. I mean oh, Compared yes, of to like that everything to that. that's, yeah. it's just, it's just crazy to watch that everything. You know, we've we've been doing this for a year now, and you know, we have to we have to do what we have to do to make things work.
1: Yeah. So. Exactly right. I mean, it's just been. Um, well, you know, the thing is, is that. Uh, as long as people, you know, as long as people follow the the protocols and you know wear the masks and keep their distance and you know take those uh, oh, I'm going to decline this. Hang on a second. Sure. One second. Oh, gotcha. Hey, Johnny. Johnny. Yeah, I'm good, man. Look at I'm right in the middle of an interview, so. Wonderful. I'll call you back afterwards. All right. Bye. My friend in London.
0: No, I hear you. You got to <laughs> do what you got to do. It's all good.
1: That's true. Yeah. So, so um, anyway, so what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So as everybody follows the protocols, I was hoping that everybody would just, you know, stay home for a couple of weeks. It would die off and everything would be fine. Here it is now. We're over a year and mm. it's not even getting better. I mean, it's sort of getting worse. You know, in Canada, anyway, we've had a real upsurge of cases. and Even with the
0: vaccines?
1: Even with the vaccines. Well, our vaccine rollout has not been great. I finally qualified and I get my vaccine uh, a week tomorrow. Okay. But, um, you know, despite the vaccine, there's still more cases. And people think, well, I guess it's safe now. It's safe now. It's got to be safe now. Well, sorry, it's not. I just talked to... uh, I just talked to a friend of mine, Sam. He's recovering after a long bout with uh, with COVID. And um, I also talked to a friend of mine, Toby, who's living up in Squamish. He got he got the COVID way back when in uh, March, last March. Wow! And he was one of the lucky ones. Where he said, yeah, "I had the flu for four days, and that was it." But um, but there are lots of people have lost friends. To it, um, my my cousin's mother-in-law was in hospital for several months with it. Uh, his daughter caught it, and the boyfriend caught it, and oh, it was. Uh, it's been real. It's been real hellish. I mean, we don't realize it here because have space, but when you're living in each other's pockets like they are right. in the UK, you know, when you've got 12 million people living in one city, yeah, uh, or 14 million or whatever it is, and. Uh, it's a completely You're, different situation.
0: Five. You know, you've got to be very careful.
1: Oh, uh, everywhere. Because it's an open border, kind of. You know, it's open yeah. border with the rest of Europe. Well, not now, but it was. Right. And um, people were free to travel all over Europe, so that spreads everything. My cousin hasn't seen his mother in a year. Wow. Not allowed. Wow. So I, uh, I'm i I'm hoping that it's going to end very soon. I'd like for it to end very soon. But... mm We'll see what happens, but enough of the COVID. It's COVID, COVID, COVID. I know this is true. COVID, COVID, COVID. COVID. There's just too much COVID, COVID. Uh, Uh, You know, well,
0: (laughs) funnily enough,
1: there's a part of me that agrees with them.
0: (laughs) The last time that you and I caught up was 2019. We were yeah. filming for season two of Dial- Dialing Home, and that footage did not get to be released. And I'm to this day, I'm sorry about that. But I'm so thankful uh, that you've come and joined me on my my new show here on uh, on Dial the Gate. It means a lot to have you. Um, well, that's
1: great. Well, thank you. Just ask me the old question. You, you can relive the whole
0: thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> so. Your relationship with the uh, the production team that was involved in Stargate goes back to MacGyver. Yes. So there were a few stories that you shared about MacGyver that I did not f- did not expect, and one of the coolest was uh, you were doing pool tricks for them.
1: Yes, I did. I shot um, I shot some trick shots for. Uh for uh, Richard Dean when he was doing this, this hustler scene in a pool hall. Funnily enough that I used to play in every day when I was a kid <laughs> down in Chinatown. And it was called, I'll no plug is closed. Now it's called Yama's and Yama's billiards. And it was, you had to buzz to get in and it was mostly Asian guys there. And, uh, but they were all friends of mine from school. So we all, uh, we all played pool there every day, and then they uh, they had uh, Richard in there uh, doing this whole pool game hustling thing. But they needed someone to do a shot. Now the scary thing about that was uh, they had the original guy shooting it was a Canadian snooker champion named Bill Warbanek, or Winnipeg Bill, as they call him. Okay. <laughs> But he was on a tournament, and he could not make the schedule to make the shot. So Now, I I want to
0: establish that's not why you're there, right? Huh? That's not why you're there, to make that shot, right? Or did they call you in to do that?
1: They called me in to make the shot. They did. Okay, I I
0: misunderstood. So
1: what happened was Bill couldn't make it. So production asked me, because they knew I played pool, if I would come in and do a trick shot for Richard. <laughs> and I thought, sure, I, I know a few trick shots. Yeah, I can do that. And uh, so I get there and he said, so this is the, tro- this is the shot that Bill had set up. Uh, and I, I went, what? <laughs> oh, Bill had set this shot up. And, and the shot was three balls frozen together on the side rail. And the the cue ball at an angle to those three balls, uh looking down table. And what was supposed to happen is the the first ball goes straight into the corner pocket, the second ball comes off the rail, hits a ball, and goes in the side pocket. And Richard called the shot and he goes, three ball in the side pocket off the white or off the black. And uh So I went, oh, well, that's different. I don't know how the shot works. So I fiddled around with it for about, probably about half an hour or so. And I marked it penciled with the, uh, where the ball to be placed so that when the the middle ball came off the rail, it would just touch this ball and go in the pocket. And I finally got it set up. And you have to have a lot of bottoms on the the, uh, cue ball to make it work. So I made the shot three times. Wow. (laughs) Three out of 10. So they got the long shot and they got the coverage.
0: Three out of 10 times.
1: Yes, out of 10 times. And it was uh, was actually quite good. And uh, they they said, great, thank you. Made the shot and uh, off I went. And and, uh, Richard get credited for that shot. Then the next time he was doing a pool thing, my brother, who is also a pool player, but he is a pool champion. Wow! He, um, they asked if he would play, and uh, if if I could do another shot. But I was working on my other show, so I couldn't do it. So I said to my brother, "Hey, my, you want to make some? You want to make some money?" He says, "Oh, he says, go and make a, a trick shot for Richard Dean on MacGyver." He goes, "No way, really?" And he goes, "Yeah." So my brother knows some pretty wild trick shots and he made this shot. It's a mass a, it goes, it goes, no, it goes three rails. One, two, three hits the ball off the pink spot and knocks it down, uh, knocks it down to the, uh, to the, uh, to the corner corner pocket and freezes blocking the hole. (laughs) Well, he did that shot Probably about four times, maybe five times and made it four of the five. Wow. But the the one problem that they had was, you know, in the practice when he was setting it up, the one problem is that the cue ball would always follow the ball in the hole. And he wanted the ball to stick so that stayed right in the pocket. Mm -hmm. So what he did is he took a couple of drops of water (laughs) and put it at the corner pocket. And when the he slammed the ball, slammed the, ball the ball goes, uh, does this huge, uh, it's, it's like a crescent that it goes, it's a Massey, it goes like this, it goes, whew, and it hits the ball and then freezes in the pocket. Wow. And that's exactly what it did. So that was pretty interesting.
0: The, the, that are the things we do. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and get paid for it. You know, that kind of stuff has always blown me away because, you know, it's those those hidden talents that people have that you would never even know about, you know, working on a on a project like MacGyver or Stargate. And, you know, it's I mean, you also play guitar, you know, to unwind. It's one of the things that you said. And it's people are so multifaceted and so rarely do you get a chance to hear these kinds of stories. And this is stuff that, you know, you you do in your spare time. You do because you love it.
1: Yeah, well, I do. I do. So. I absolutely love playing. I, I I play music a lot. I was playing music before I was doing. <laughs> okay, here you want to see some comedy? Okay. Well, it's not comedy. Actually, it's uh. Oh. <laughs>
0: what is that? What am I looking at?
1: They're looking at you and oh! me. Oh gosh jeez oh, that's crazy from, this is from Doral Florida it's from a guy named Mr. Henshaw Lawrence hi Lawrence hi Lawrence how are you Hello I didn't realize Lawrence. you were watching there you go <laughs>
0: We're, I'm really proud of the show and the the growth that it's been getting over the past uh, you know six months. So it, it's not too bad for a a TV franchise that's been off the air for you know eleven years. But I know, it's amazing. But, so your relationship with the likes of N. John Smith and Richard Dean and uh, Don S Davis, you know, <gasps> the, these are you know. Stargate cornerstones and John Smith is rarely mentioned, but he was one of the people that was always making sure that those cogs worked. Um, and his, I would love to have him on it at, at some point to talk about it. Cause he was so crucial. Well, he's retired
1: to now, but John, John, I go back with John even before. Yes. Uh, he used to have, um, uh, tugboats and, and built boats in, uh, in Gibson's Island. And, uh, he, uh, he he uh, was the boat wrangler on um, a, a, a show called uh, uh, what the hell is it called Beachcombers. Okay. the Beachcombers, which ran for twenty something years. Okay. And he used to have this, his boat on the show called the Crystal Gale. And then he moved from that to, to production, and then uh, and, uh, and started producing other shows and then stargate was a a big one for him
0: yeah it was a big deal and i mean just uh, i his his work cannot be understated and i Mm -hmm. i cannot um skip your relationship with uh S. Davis over the years
1: ah my best pal yeah don and i go back many years to macgyver when he was he was standing in for um, uh, MacGyver's boss.
0: Dana Elkar, yep.
1: Dana Elkar, yeah. And he was standing in there, and him and I worked together on that. And I also remember him doing voiceovers, and uh, we worked on other shows together, because we had the same agent.
0: Didn't you encourage him to do the voiceovers?
1: I did, yeah. Well, because he got that voice. I you Gary, I tell you what, I do love to do this stuff. You know a lot of fun
0: absolutely oh he was
1: terrific i just uh i miss him so much i just that's one of those guys you know he was a genuinely sweet guy And you talk about a guy with hidden talents
0: oh man yes
1: incredible carver wood carver sculptor incredible artist painter uh just a great all round human being you know
0: absolutely no he's yeah. uh his his website is still out there, thank goodness. Uh, I thought that I had lost it, and I, I managed to. Um, I, I keep forgetting the name, of it, but his his stuff is still visible for people to see, and I think it's really important that that's that that's out there, that his legacy continues you know, to perpetuate itself, very much so. And you know, the nice thing about it is, you know, we can also turn on Stargate, and we can turn on you know, X Files and Twin Peaks, and that Marvelous yep. role of his, and and see him. So oh, sure. yeah. His,
1: his Twin Peaks, that, his monologue at Twin Peaks was so cool. I just loved that. <laughs> I loved all this stuff. He's just a fun guy. You're... Not a great golfer, I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we went golfing one day, and I swear he must have lost about twenty-five balls. <laughs> <laughs> they would go everywhere, black down the middle of the fairway. <laughs> oh, oh, he was terrific. I just uh. and a good sport about it too. He's out there have a good had, time. And the and the irony is, his his son went to university in the states on a golf scholarship. <laughs> he was that gene a great must have come
0: from the mother or yeah. the grandparents
1: <laughs> oh yeah must have been because he didn't <laughs> have the golf chain but uh, no all those guys were great you know michael greenberg and steve downing and uh well steve was uh, did macgyver right i still i still talk to him on the he's retired now but i still talk to him every on occasion greenberg i haven't talked for a while he's do is I, I think he does um isn't he ESPN. still involved with
0: HBO? Oh, okay. ESPN.
1: Sports the Sports Network, ESPN, he's yeah. doing that. And Richard, I haven't seen for well, several years. I mean, since because I 'cause I haven't done a Stargate mm-hmm. a Stargate convention. I can't remember the last one I did. It was
0: It's been a while for sure. Quite so, a while ago. MacGyver ends and you, and John Smith says, We'll we'll get you apart. You know? Oh yeah. At some point here. Uh,
1: Two seasons, yes.
0: three seasons. Four, Four seasons, seasons, five seasons,
1: <laughs> and then we have a part for you. And I went, what? Do you have a part? Oh, finally. Yes. Yes. We have a part. It's a great part. I think you'll enjoy it. How's your Russian? I said, what? I said, how's your Russian? I said, I don't speak Russian. He goes, oh, shh. we have this great part for you. you don't speak Russian. I said, how the hell am I supposed to speak Russian? What kind of, we're kidding you. We got a tutor coming in. you will be with him for a couple of weeks. And it was true. And I'm I'm still friends with him. He's a director in, in, I think it's Mosfilm in Moscow in Russia. Wow. Alexander Kalugin. And, Whom uh, you directs.
0: terrified because you sounded like Stalin. Sounded just like
1: Stalin. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. It was so fun. But I still talk to him too, and he's uh, he directs pop shows and thrillers in uh, in Moscow. Nice guy, really nice guy.
0: And you worked, worked and I've acted with him too. Oh, you have?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. We acted on a couple of shows because he became he came as a guest star on my on my series called Cold Squad. Right. Uh, He came on as a Russian detective solving an international thing, then falls in love with the lead. Julie, <laughs> and uh, then we worked again on Stargate, and then we worked. Where else did we work? We worked on some other show where where he was. Uh, he was playing a Russian gangster, or something. But uh,
0: gangster, it was
1: kind of fun. Yeah, you know? so we got a relationship to sort of spanned over a few years, mm. and he wanted to do a spin-off show from Cold Squad about this Russian cop who falls in love with a Canadian cop, and they. And they solve crimes together. He gets special dispensation from the Russian police department and uh, have a spinoff series from a Russian cop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was quite something. Well, you got an antidote for trying. You know? No,
0: absolutely. No, his, his gears are going for yeah. sure. You, yeah. guy, Gar- you had spent two to three weeks on a whole Russian speech. Yes. For the tomb directed by Peter Deloise. Tell us what happened.
1: Well, I learned. I learned. I learned. I went every day. I practiced my Russian. you know, You know, I've done all these things, and there was a whole big long scene in Russian, and I agonized over it. And I finally got it down. I got to set, and Peter said, oh, "Yeah, it seems too long. We have to cut it. We only use the last two lines." That's a I've been working on this thing for three weeks, and you're telling me that it's cut? Well, no, not all, just this one scene. It's just too long. So we're just going to take the last two lines. And I said, The hell with that? I'm going to do the whole scene. So I did the whole scene, and he says, Okay, you can do the whole scene, but we're going to cut it. And sure enough, I did the whole scene, but they only used the last two lines. And I thought that was ultimate in frustration. But then I got to speak Russian in other scenes throughout the show. And that was fun.
0: Absolutely. Fire rockets.
1: Rockets, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. <laughs> rockets, yeah. That was in the Kulia. Col- Col-
0: Col- Board the Korolev
1: in, in Korolev, Camelot.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. That, sure was rest in great, peace. that was
1: a great episode. Too bad it was my last episode. I know,
0: then. but if you're going to go out, you know I know we're well, skipping ahead well, a little bit, style. but if you're going to go out, go out in style. Oh, Visual I effects know. glory. They spent some money. Oh, Absolutely.
1: that was a that was a big show.
0: Take me back, um, though. Um, grade two, elementary school. Yeah. You were in a class production of The Shoemaker and the Elves. I was. And started singing in choirs. Yeah. And this is how you started your craft
1: yes I, I actually did my first television appearance singing choir yeah on ron Morrier's saturday kids party and uh that was on ctv or, or uh, at that time it was called chan uh chan tv c-h-a-n uh an affiliation of, of uh uh ctv and uh, we sang Christmas Choir, uh, Christmas, um, Christmas carols on the show. And they dressed us up in all these uh, identical costumes, you know, like sweaters and shirts and whatnot. And I thought, oh, this is cool. I got a free sweater. And I, I tried to go home with it. He goes, know, no, that's just a costume. You have to said, return it. It's a nice sweater and shirt. But, uh, yeah, I think I was, <laughs> at that time, I was about 10. maybe <laughs> 9. But Shoemaker and the Oz, I just I just got right into it. And uh, I found that I really, I really enjoyed performing, and I really enjoyed singing at that time. So I sang quite a bit. And uh, I had a, a very embarrassing thing. This is what you call the teen cringe moment. Okay. I was reading, a, a, doing a reading in my English class in grade 12. And I was reading The Barretts of Wimple Street. And I was playing Mr. Browning, uh, the the husband or the boyfriend of uh, Elizabeth Barrett Browning. And um, I really got into it. I mean, it was really, some really wonderful writing. And I was just in it. And there was not a pin drop in the class. And my teacher was staring at me like this. <laughs> And he's just watching and watching. And the kids in the class are watching and they're watching. And I'm going, what are you looking at? <laughs> broke the broke the, the magic. And uh, my teacher said, no! <laughs> it was so He's going, no, it went so good. What are you doing? <laughs> Oh, you madman! But uh, that was—that's what you call the teen cringe. I was—I went, oh, sh- I was doing good, and I thought right. oh, I'll be really cool. <laughs> Total to- jerk. But then that sort of launched me because then a friend of mine, Keith, said, "You know, you should—you should get into the theater, man. I think you would love to do a play. Come on, let's do a play." Keith—it name was named Keith Keith Taverner—and I said. Keith, I'm not going into a play. What, what, what do I want to do that for? He goes, lots of chicks. I just, There's women. <laughs> I said, what? He said, women. I went, women, okay. All right, well, I'll try it. So I, uh, the, the, my first uh, big production was The Boyfriend. I played Dr. Dr. not Dr. Brown. Oh, Percy something. Percy. And uh, my, my one song that I remember was it's never too late to have a fling for Odom is just as nice as spring and it's never too late to fall in love. And And then there was girls (laughs) dancing and well, by God, it was a lot of fun. Absolutely. And you get school credit for it. And I got school credit for it. And I got a good review in the local rag in the Richmond review. Hey, a, a good review of my character. So they liked that, and then after that, I went on to do Camelot and Oliver, and, and, uh, but it was for fun. I didn't think of it as a money-making thing. I just thought it was fun, and uh, so I when I finished school, that was it for me, and I went in the stock market and then changed direction a few years later and went into, well, I went back to university. Or I went to university because I hadn't gone yet because I had just graduated from high school. Well, I don't know, 1970. But uh, in 1975, I decided to go back to university because I wanted to be an English teacher and anthropology instructor. That's what I wanted. And um, one of my English projects was go down and watch a play uh in the theater department of the school at Langera, so I went down and it was at Meissen, but the show was of Meissen men, and I watched the show and I'm looking at it and I'm going, Wow, the acting is great. The production values are wonderful. This is what I want to do. I love this, and so I decided then and there to audition and I did, and I auditioned and I sang a song and did some scenes, and um, Anthony Holland, who taught the school, he looks up and he goes, well, you've know, you got some talent. Not much, but some. All right. And uh, I didn't realize what a big deal it was to get into that school. I just thought, you know, you, you try out, you get in. I said, no, you only take, you know, 15 people across the country wow. per term. So I thought, okay. Well, there you go. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. So I got in, yeah. and uh, my my theater career took off after that. After after school, there never look back.
0: There is some magic about communicating with an audience through story that well, you you cannot achieve um, through through TV or film. You can only just you know put the pieces put the pieces together. Yes, yeah. and there's just something beautiful about it.
1: Yeah but there's no, there's something about the immediacy of the stage of getting on stage and, and making contact with, with people right then and there and having them react to what you do is quite magical. It's why I love, uh, why I love performing music because you mm-hmm. get such a great, um, a great feedback from, uh, from the audience. And I'm missing that tremendously right now because, really? uh, because everything's closed. You know, all the restaurants, nobody's performing live music right now. I mean, I've gotten some on the Internet a little bit, and that was fun. But um, it's not the same as having a crowd, you know, right there in front of you.
0: It's Correct. It's not, it's not the same at all. It's not the same okay.
1: energy, it's, but it's really exciting. It's mean, so exciting.
0: Music is a shared experience. You know, it. I mean, you can. You you don't have to. Absolutely. You know, you can have a perfectly, perfectly. You know, uh, uh, vital. Right, but there is there is something about it that's that's temporal and immediate that is just so.
1: Well, the thing about it is is basically it's kind of like communion between you and your audience. And what you're doing is you're not playing to an audience. You're playing to a person that guy right there. you play playing to that guy, that woman, that, that person, that person over there. And each one of them is getting something different from what you're doing. Right. And what you're basically doing up there and, and aside from singing a song and playing music is you're telling a story. Right. And how how compelling can you make that story and how interested in <laughs> <laughs> that story are people going to be, you know? And uh, if they like it, that's wonderful. If they don't, well, uh, Really i great. tried you know i tried hey, all i can do is what i do and a lot of the times the music i play is music that resonates with me the music that i love so so uh i i i do that and, and the audience seems to like it very much and uh yeah we had some pretty good crowds so
0: hopefully My we red god is
1: really suffering right now so really oh yeah all the european all these european tours are all canceled. yeah
0: that's true yeah. absolutely yeah. I want to go back to to Chekhov. You took this character from this kind of brusque, you know, military figure to to uh, developing a little bit of a of a sense of humor. You could tell through the subtext of of the show and a relationship with O'Neill and with Hammond in a way that was it was very like a work relationship, not exactly palsy, but they found a space for each other. Mutual respect. That's exactly right. You know. And respect. how is it building that character over five seasons?
1: Well, the thing was, is that, is that human beings, when they're, you cannot make a character unidimensional. Right. You know, there's no point in making a, a character, in working a character, making one dimension. And, and uh, me not getting on with O'Neill, not getting on with Hammond, or, you know, castigating Hammond for something or O'Neill for something or blaming them constantly is boring. Yeah. You know, it's boring because that doesn't happen in real life. You have moments where you go, ah, you're an asshole. Yeah. Then you have moments where, but, you know, it's funny. I kind of like you. <laughs> you know, even though you are an asshole, which you are, you're... <laughs> I'm kind of liking you, and that's that's a good thing. I think you know, on certain levels, we can work together. So well, why
0: don't we do that? O'Neill came from a background where he was working black ops in the 80s. Yeah. So he was a military, an American military man who would have a just an innate issue with working with Russians. So and you got to watch that struggle in that character in real time, like yeah. uh, Colonel Chekhov would like a Russian to be uh, to join SG one over my rotting corpse, sir. Over like, my rotting corpse. Sir. There was just so oh, yeah, things you, that send the Russians
1: first. Right, they always get killed first. You That's know, exactly like red right. shirt and Star Trek.
0: <laughs> That's
1: right. <laughs> like, uh,
0: only one Russian soldier came back alive, barely.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All Americans, not scratch that's i remember that that one scene all the americans they come back fine the Russians all dead. what's wrong with this picture
0: yeah yeah no absolutely
1: but uh i think there was a also a little bit of the relationship that 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 don and i had and the relationship that i had with richard dean sort of shines through on you know on a personal level absolutely just uh just uh shove it through there like um you just can't be, as I said. You just can't be one-dimensional. You gotta have Correct. some. I just finished a show uh, a couple of months ago, a series, and uh, I can't name it because it hasn't been uh, uh, put out yet. Well, good for you. But the producers uh, came back to me and they and they said, you know, we we thought that your character was just going to be a one-dimensional bad guy one dimensional character with no nuance but boy oh boy you brought you brought something to the character that has layers and nuance and makes that character interesting and I said well basically thank you but basically it's just human beings are not one dimension human beings are not one level there's all kinds of levels that go with human beings and that's all you have to do is be a human being how do you react That's the great thing about villains. You know, no villain ever says to themselves, I am a villain. Mm. I am an evil, bad person. They never do that. They never do that. They go, ah, I do what is necessary. Mm -hmm. This is my job, you know. But, you know, people just don't understand my methods. <laughs> right you know? exactly, but it's 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 absolutely true you know
0: have you seen elephant
1: Elephants. That's elephant a...
0: no, I haven't seen that it's a it is it what it, it came out a few years after the columbine shooting and it oh, follows yes. it follows these kids who have you know given up on life and humanity and go in and shoot up a school, yeah, I would argue that they Know perfectly good and well that what they're doing is bad, and they have just completely given up on existence. But those aren't well, the characters that you want to root for. You know, no, the, they're not
1: rootable characters. They're not right. likable characters.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, but and at the same time, you know, you there's nowhere to there's no fun to play in that either because no. you have to have if you're going to to give the audience something to chew on you have yeah. to give them a chance to be able to say you know what I can kind of see this from this character's perspective this character that you're playing in this upcoming uh show I'll give you a
1: classic example Hannibal Lecter Yeah everybody loved Hannibal Lecter you can always they hear love them to hate word. Him. Fava beans with liver mm, <laughs> delicious <laughs> goes with a nice claret, you know, that's it. But, you go, you, you squirm, but you go, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah.
0: <laughs> There's just something about some of those classic characters like Ronnie Cox, you know, perfect example. You worked with that fellow guitar player. You worked with him yeah. in Disclosure um, yeah. is probably the classic character that pretty much every Stargate fan says that they they just hate that guy. And I was talking about this, I think, with David Hewlett earlier today. It was like, you you hate him because it's working. You know. You don't hate him because it's a bad performance. You know it's a good no. performance. You but... hate him
1: because it's too good. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's exactly right.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, I know. That was Ronnie in real life. Is just the nicest guy you'll ever meet. And a great musician.
0: You know? Right. Absolutely. Don't you
1: remember him from the first RoboCop movie?
0: dick jones
1: remember that yep and he was the great villain there too
0: absolutely
1: but uh, oh yeah and i and miguel ferrer i remember miguel and that uh, miggy yeah i worked i did a series with miguel from that show called uh, broken badges a long time ago poor miggy he's no longer with us he passed away last year or two years ago can't remember but yeah, that's that's a thing. But every character, no, no character is is well. You know, some people may draw characters that are one dimensional, mm. but no no actor worth of salt is ever going to play a character one dimensional. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work.
0: No, and it's they don't work. they don't get uh, they don't get their own spaceships.
1: Yeah, and they don't get their own spaceship. And you know, as for a spaceship, that was a running gag on <laughs> on Star when did, you got all you guys you' are going up in spaceships when do I get to go up in a spaceship Where's my spaceship And this is I'm asking the producers like you know for real and they're going oh you'll get it you'll get it you'll
0: get it, <laughs> <laughs> you'll get it all right
1: oh yeah yeah you'll get it <laughs> yeah. yeah i uh, I thought that was so much fun
0: they I mean they were, the Russians were promised. The, that the next uh, the one that came off the assembly line would be theirs and the one after that would, would be the Sun Tzu or the Phoenix I think but eventually yeah. you know those governments had those arrangements and it only made sense for um, your character to be able to have that position and the fact that you were that not only did you have that role but you were surrounded on set with Russian cast
1: you know? oh, yeah. they were all Russians <laughs> like they said my Russian was good Yeah, but I played a Russian a few times I was a Russian on a thing called um Haunted Haunt Haunting Haunted Stories or Haunted the Haunted or something like that. It's a kid's show mm. about um uh, eerie eerie things happening. And I played a Russian who created Golem. Golem, which was quite fun. Yeah, that's uh now I I'm doing a cartoon hunting monsters.
0: All right. and
1: uh, that's another great fun show that's good but you won't hear I won't hear anything about that for a while uh because we're still recording. But um uh, so much fun. And the I got the I got nice feedback from the producers on that too about storytelling.
0: Now are you able to do all that from your house?
1: Uh no, I uh I did the in. movie Cats and Dogs from here. Oh, okay. Uh, Cats and Dogs Three. I played the old uh, golden retriever, <laughs> old Gord or something, or old Mike. But uh, yeah, I recorded it right here.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: And uh, I thought it was. I thought I was doing a scratch, and they actually used it. So.
0: Oh wow! Hey, there. You, yeah. Well, that's. You know, that's why you you keep the record button on. Yeah, so, absolutely. But, you know,
1: here's the thing you know, all you really need, you know, for a studio is a good mic, a good preamp, and, uh, back. Yeah. and, and a good audio interface. Absolutely. Like uh, Apogee or one of those there. I've got, I'm using right now, I'm only using uh, Steinberg. It's a two channel thing that works pretty good.
0: But it also but, helps to have some talent to know what you're doing too.
1: Well, sure. yeah, you got to know what you're doing. <laughs> right. You know, because I've been doing a, a bunch of uh, little things. <laughs> I do, was doing these things from a friend of mine in Toronto. As you walk through the front door, turn to your left and see a island kitchen <laughs> with all the latest and modern appliances looking out over a wondrous view of the Don Valley. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's uh, called virtual house tours.
0: Wow,
1: To do those, and that's fun. That's
0: crazy.
1: I know, it's just wild. But you can do it. Absolutely. I just watched. I just watched a, another one from a gal from here, from here, who who sells these multi-million dollar, nine million dollar, twelve million dollar homes. And she goes, "I look at this counter. Isn't it cool? This is a cool counter. I think it's made out of stone." And I'm going. Not the way to sell a house. <laughs> yeah, and we have a bedroom here, and here's a living room, and with great view. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> great view, eh? <laughs> oh my God! I'm going. You're trying to sell this place? You've got to develop, you know, some good writing. Because, oh my God, I'm looking at. I'm going. Yes, I'm. 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 I'm in the market for a twelve million dollar house, but. Not this one. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. I don't, you know, the, it's it's funny, but it's like, you know, if you're going to, you know, put all that money in production, at least get a decent person to tell your story in a decent. That's writer. fair. Yeah.
0: No. You I know? mean, it's like it's so much of that hangs off of you know how how it's how it's presented and how, how it's, it's told, presented. You know, you know?
1: It's like that guy on uh, "Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous" or uh, yeah. uh, no. Uh, Uh, lifestyles of the billionaires or something, you know, uh, just, I mean, to me, that stuff is just like this sort of gross wealth. I have a hundred bedroom house. Only me and my wife live here, but.
0: Right. And a golden toilet. I have a
1: gold toilet. (laughs) I just remember drums going on a tour on Trump's apartment during one episode of, uh, episode of the apprentice and i remember that that was the first season i kind of liked it and I'm i never saw the, it and one of the one of the uh, the consolations you get to go on a tour of trump's house and have dinner there with melania and uh you go into this huge apartment and it's just the most garish <laughs> it looks like it looks like something that Liberace would do on steroids. It's like everything is gold plated. Yeah. You know, gold plaster, gold desks, gold chairs. I'm going. How is all that? It's just—it's very uncomfortable on the yeah, eyes.
0: Yeah, it's, it's—it's a, a display of wealth. That's just—that's yeah. my issue when I go to Vegas. You know, I mean, you've got all this wealth, and it just looks all oh, so much of it just looks terrible.
1: It's tatty.
0: Yeah,
1: it's tatty. <laughs> I oh, have some... some of the rooms in the in Vegas are pretty nice. I got to say, I mean, I love the uh, I love the uh, and I love that uh, win the win. Mm. Hotel, and the blues one. Down uh, the other end of the strip, there's some. There are some nice ones, but yeah. there then there's some really tatty ones too. <laughs> but uh yeah, there is a lot of wealth there, but it's easy come, easy go. You know, that's it's true. I have s- designed to lure you.
0: I have some fan questions for you, if you don't mind.
1: Yes, by all means, go ahead.
0: Jet Ison for Gary. What what does Stargate mean? to you it can't just be like a, another gig that you did you know i mean it's it's is it something more
1: well the thing about stargate that was so special to me is that i had a lot of history with a lot of the main players in the show um a lot of the cast it's actually most of the cast were friends of mine and when i came on the set it was like you know going Going to meet with the family and Mm. and having a great day, having a great week. It was just like, there was, it wasn't even work. It was just fun. And
0: you you could take your Australian Shepherd.
1: And I could take my Aussie Shepherd, which I kept in my trailer because Richard had his his dog. Exactly. Somebody else had their dog. Oh, and uh, 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 John Smith had his dog there. (laughs) It was a dog friendly set. And there was lots of little dogs running around. <laughs> and, uh, but my dog was very good. It was just, she was always there, Harley. Just a sweetheart uh-huh. of a puppy. I miss her. That's the one dog I miss to this day. I haven't had her for probably 15 years, I wow. guess. But, um, yeah, no, it, would, it was nice to walk onto a set and just know everybody. And know that uh, it wasn't just a job. We did golf tournaments, we had, you know, hundredth anniversary or hundredth show anniversary parties. We had we had uh, get togethers on set. We had, you know, birthday bouncy tents for bouncy for, <laughs> for Wiley. For kids to <laughs> the come bouncy to, castle come on, <laughs> The bouncy castle to come on on, on set for birthdays and uh, and we developed some lifelong friendships on that mm. show. Like Jay Brazo and I have been friends. He says hello, by the way. He does. Thank you. Hello back. (laughs) Jay and I have been friends for nearly 40, well, no, over 40 years. Wow. 40 years since we first met in 1980. Wow. In Winnipeg, of all places. But uh, yeah, and all of them, uh, uh, there's Jay, Gary Jones, and uh, Amanda Tapping. They were all good pals. Paul, Paul McGillian. They're just, you know, great people. Mm. This, this when you go to work and you go, yes, going to have fun. So
0: absolutely, it it's going to be a good not, day. It
1: was not a. Um, it was not a, a a labor. It was if it was, it was a labor of love. So there
0: you go. Nate Ewald, do you feel the use of the Cold War trope was appropriate as a storytelling device on SG One, or would you have rather seen something else come into play?
1: Well, I think the Cold War trope. Worked in that, you know, when you're you're working with the Air Force and they're trying to have superiority, and there is a Stargate in America and there's a Stargate in Russia, right? (laughs) You know, there was a Russian Stargate, and of course they have you know mutual distrust. But I think the 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 thing that gave Stargate its legs with, with its longevity was it had it had that kind of rivalry and that kind of tension within the show and, and a major overall conflict between these guys and these guys, Mm. you know, and then when you bring in the aliens, uh, there, now you've got a three-way going and uh, that's just, it's, it's, it's exciting television and it's, uh, compelling to watch because, you know, if you only had the cold war, that'd be boring. If you only had alien visitation, that'd be boring, you know? So you've got to have all these different shows. Like I love the shows with the, uh, with the nano, the nano, uh, the nanobots, you know, the ones who who ate everything.
0: Oh, the replicators. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The replicators, you know, that, I love that show. I love the show with the little alien guy. Uh, I'm sorry. I, my memory is. a.
0: No, it's fine. Yeah. Just detail. Just describe it.
1: You know that the, the shiny iridescent alien who I met once you met once.
0: Oh, yeah. Thor! Absolutely! Thor, Thor fabulous. <laughs> I like working with Puppet.
1: <laughs> I like working with Puppet. You know, I go to that and I touch him. He's so smooth. <laughs> he was very smooth. And it's eerie when you're working with him and his eyes and his mouth and everything, it's all moving and you're going, oh, hello, hello. <laughs> yes. But you get sucked in because the puppeteers were excellent on that show.
0: Absolutely, they were,
1: and um, yeah. So I I have no qualms about the Cold War trope. I thought it was a good idea, and and even today, you know that that still holds. We're mm-hmm. sort of embarking on another Cold War.
0: Mm-hmm. The future is always uncertain, for sure. I and know, Emily Cheatham. What do you enjoy most about attending the conventions that you've been to?
1: I, to tell you the truth, I love the people it doesn't matter where you go in the world stargate fans are basically good people they're the same people yeah you know they just speak different languages and but they you know they they love the costumes they love the shows, they love the stories and they're wonderful people to talk to and very engaging and i've met quite a few in the over the years and um yeah and their enthusiasm for it. And the the thing that I liked about it as well is that here you have a a group of like-minded people who get together from all over the world or all over the country, and they're having a blast. They're just having a lot of fun. And they do, they have a tile of fun. And that's, there's nothing more more, uh, appealing than people having a good time.
0: Mm, Absolutely. Brother Kyle says, and I don't know if this is true, I'm, I'm assuming he knows, uh, by far the most impressive thing you do is play guitar upside down.
1: Yes, I do. That's
0: hard to do. How did you pull that off? How did you learn to do that?
1: When I was a child, when I was a child, when I was a teen, young teen, <laughs> I lived in an isolated world. And in that world, we didn't have left-handed guitars and... Everybody who in our house played guitar, but they all played right-handed. So I had assumed that the only guitar there was, was a right-handed guitar. So I picked one up and I started looking at the music books and I played a chord. And it, I went, oh, yeah, it's it works. So I kept playing and I, I had no problems playing it upside down. And by the time <laughs> I figured it out... By the time I figured out that there was a left-handed guitar, because I'd never seen one, um, it was too late. I was solidly oh, locked gosh. into a left-handed. But I can play a right-handed guitar better than most right-handed guitars you, can play. <laughs> you know,
0: Jeez. That's
1: how it works. And I just got a, uh, you're talking about you getting questions. I had a question right here. Okay. It goes, can you talk about Simon Cliff? Cliff Simon.
0: Yes, yes, we lost we lost him a few weeks ago.
1: Yes, we did, and it was a sad day for that. And he was in a windsurfing accident of all things, in uh, in San Diego or somewhere down somewhere down. Uh... He was,
0: yeah, he was out. Uh, I, I forget which beach he frequents, but he was he was kiteboarding, and I don't know precisely what happened to him, um, but. I know that we lost him and it's yes, just I know.
1: Been they didn't go into any details. On the devastating. Accident, what a lovely man he was Cliff. I you know I, uh, I met him quite a few times and he has always been engaging. He's kind of a, he was kind of a new age kind of guy, right? He
0: did and, his own uh, thing.
1: He did his own thing. And he was, uh, he was just wonderful. I really got a kick out of him and, and, uh, you know, his recordings and some of the things, his philosophy of life. And we had a, a wonderful time. So I, I would say, Cliff, rest in peace, man. You we went way, way too soon.
0: Absolutely. The uh, Lorraine Black, uh, a couple more and then I'm going to let you go. Lorraine Black, what was it like doing Reboot? Now, this was the first CG animated uh, uh Guardian. series, yes. and I remember this back in the day. Warning: Incoming game. It was so cool. Um,
1: incoming game.
0: That's exactly right.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I absolutely loved reboot. Love the uh, love the all the in quiet. Loved it's, all this. My dog. That's well, all right. My wife's dog. But uh... <laughs> She's sitting up there, sending herself up, up, up there. On, on if you can, I, you can't see the. Puppy I can't, upstairs. yeah. There, Hi, if puppy. You, if you look right at the top of the stairs, there, she's sitting. Yeah, there she is, sitting right. Uh, if you can see, she's right there.
0: Okay, okay, just a little, just, just a, a little nubbin.
1: Just a little nubbin of a dog. <laughs> But she's a pain. Aww. Anyway, no. But she likes me somehow. <laughs> but,
0: there she yeah, is. Oh no, yeah, saying, reboot.
1: I, reboot. I loved reboot. Reboot was just Phil Hayes and I, and then and then and then uh, Scott McNeil and I played these two characters, hack and slash. Now slash. <laughs> My favorite thing was push the button. Push the button. I don't want to push the button. Every time I put the button, something bad happens. Like, <laughs> fight will kill us. Hold me. And uh, we'd make up dialogue for the scenes. And we'd have script, and we'd read the script, and then we'd do the same scene, but with improv dialogue. And a lot of times, they use the improv dialogue. So it was a lot of fun. Lots of in-jokes in the show. And computer jokes that are kind of dated now, but uh, back then they were like state of the art. Uh, The people were terrific. Uh, Michael Benyer played uh, Bob, (laughs) and he was uh, he was good. Catherine Kathleen Barr played uh, Dot. That's right. And and, uh, myself, I played Doc Fingers. Uh, slash duck fingers, no, uh, yeah, duck fingers, slash turbo, uh, Cyrus, and someone else I can't remember, but all I remember is those nine digits, nine digits. You talk about a show.
0: That huh? really, you talk about a show that really pushed, you know, the envelope. And so much of what we have now, you know, was built on the back of, of shows like it, you know.
1: Well, the thing was, was, is that nobody thought that it could, a CGI show could be done. Yeah. Because Toy Story. Right. Took, you know, to do one minute of film, took thousands of hours of programming. Yeah.
0: and rendering and everything.
1: And all the rendering, everything took thousands and thousands of hours. But we had a bank of computers and computer technology that make uh, make those mega computers at Langley look like you know Atari stations. (laughs) You know, and these guys, they'd be churning out these. And he goes, "I says, well, you know, Toy Story is pretty good." He goes, "Toy Story, (laughs) one movie, and it takes them two years. We're putting out a series." And, uh, and then, and that sort of launched a lot of other series. Like, um, there was reboot. There was, uh, Transformers. Absolutely. Know, beast, beast, beast machines. There's beast machines or beast wars, Transformers, weirdos, war planets. Uh, what was the other show? There were some other shows that they did. I just can't remember them right. Away. Oh, um, uh, 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 dear uh, the the Halloween one, oh, the Halloween one with the uh, the witch and the scary godmother, <laughs> scary godmother. That was the one. But they launched a lot of shows, and then after that, with that, now that this new software had been developed, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and other production companies saw that it was indeed possible to put shows out. Now you have a whole pile of yeah shows left that and right are, uh, CGI, uh, which is kind of cool. I like I like the movies. I'm, my favorites, my fa- one of my favorite movies is the um, Despicable Me. Yes, you talk about a villain who's so lovable.
0: <laughs>
1: you know, I just I love those that cartoon. I love the minion, the minions. That was uh, everything about that show Would made me laugh.
0: My parents love it. I've not really seen it, but they have actually watched it and they like it. <laughs> it's good stuff.
1: So uh, uh, Ice Age.
0: Oh, Ice Age is great.
1: Uh-oh. I just got word. I just said, it flashed across my screen that my my internet or your internet is unstable.
0: It's all good. We're going to wrap it up on this side here. But anyway. I Gary, I really appreciate you taking the time and rest rest in peace, Colonel Chekhov, you know. Uh he got he got what he wanted at the end of the day, you know, he got a, a glorious send off and uh what what an arc for a character, you know, over five. Oh, seasons. I know. It
1: was just wonderful. I mean for me, it was uh it was a real growth experience for me it was just a life-changing experience mm. for me i just thought that uh, all the stuff that went on in that show was just just brilliant mm. it was absolutely brilliant and i had so much fun with those guys and i'm hoping someday to have fun with them again absolutely i do work you know? with the odd, the odd ones every once in a while but uh
0: brad wright it SG4. seems like everybody's
1: retired
0: well, Brad's still, Brad's still going. He's, he's I know. hoping Brad to get SG4 out. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, so, I'm rooting for him.
1: Yeah. Well, me too. Anyway, I'd just like to say thank you. Thank you for taking the time to, have a, to come to me and talk to me. And uh, we'll see you again in the future, I'm hope.
0: Absolutely. We'll
1: see when I got some more new stuff to be
0: <laughs> I would have a final request before you go. Yes. Would you do Optimus Prime for me?
1: Mm, mm. The keys to the future lie buried in the past. Watch out, Megatron. Maximals! Maximize!
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, my friend.
1: Oh, my pleasure. You take care of all right. yourself, all right? You bet. You too. So have a good time. Be well, Gary. See you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> Gary Chalk, everyone.
0: Gary Chalk. Colonel Chekhov. Stargate SG-1, and one of the Optimus Primes. My name is David Reed. You're watching Dial the Gate. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, we have a giveaway for this month. Dial the Gate has partnered with Big J Customs for the month of April to give you a chance to get your very own custom pop figure. To enter to win these items, you need to use a desktop or laptop computer and go to dialthegate.com and scroll down to submit trivia questions. Your trivia may be used in a future episode of Dial the Gate, either for our monthly trivia night or for a special guest to ask me in a round of trivia. There are three slots for trivia, one easy, one medium, and one hard only one needs to be filled in but you're more than welcome to submit up to three please note the submission form does not currently work for mobile devices your trivia must be received before may the 1st 2021 of course if you're the lucky winner i'll be notifying you via your email to get your address and be sure to check out our partner's website for more stargate related merchandise at big i have a few questions submitted to, more than a few okay questions submitted to me here over the course of the uh the afternoon. I wanted to wait until we could get to them because I knew David would. David and I would probably take the the full two hours, which we did. Uh, Scotty 709 Will there be trivia between you and the guests soon? I would like to know who's the ultimate David, for example. Uh, we do need to schedule another one. The calendar is pretty booked for the rest of this month, so I'll get in touch with Darren and see about uh, putting another one on the books again. I would I would like to do another larger group curious to see if everyone um, likes the larger groups for the trivia or the smaller uh, more intimate groups for trivia um, Ryan James one seven zero who makes these ZPMs that you mentioned in the David Hewlett interview I don't know if he's still doing it I need to check with him first um, but I will uh, if I if if he is okay with me sharing the information because he may just not be doing them he may not want any orders um, I'll uh, look for a comment from David Reed from my personal account in the comments uh, feed below this one. But give me a couple days on this because as soon as I wrap this up, I head out to work. Um, so I need to check and see if he'd be interested in doing one for David's friend first, and then we'll, we'll go from there. But they are they're the closest replicas that I've seen, and I've seen a number of Zero Point Module uh, uh, fan-made ones. They just don't look right. The 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 cap is too thick on the top, and the crystals where they meet at the bottom are too small. And, I mean, it's just someone's, like, done mark one eyeball transfer from one to the other, and it just... So the one that this guy did, I mean, I'm convinced that they're the most accurate ones that are out there, and they were beautiful. And I want to have one back here as, a, like, a lantern on, on one of the shelves, even though I've completely run out of space. Toon Tamasha, in your opinion, who should a new What should a new gate do? Spin, light up, both something else. Hmm. What should the new gate do? I mean The spinning is always really cool, but the spinning is really expensive for a practical set. I would be cool with some kind of some kind of a light up. My issue with the the Atlantis one was that. Um, when the constellation would go around, it would go around in boxes it wasn 't a freely moving constellation, and I would like to see something where the um, you could you you had the full range of movement movement of the lights um for when it for when it did uh, do those those lights rather than just the sections of of slots where there would be a space for each individual constellation so something like that. Damon Smallwood, why is it so hard to come out with a Stargate game? License problems? That is a big question. Um, The resources that go into a game are extensive. I won't get into what happened with Stargate Worlds other than to say that there was financial mismanagement. The game was really going places. Um, it did have its issues, but could have those could have easily been worked out if it had the financial resources. There was allocation to other gaming projects before the first game was out, and it was this idea of well, we need to diversify our por- portfolio. That's what I remember hearing a lot, and um, my my understanding is that. Is that the the finances weren't there to get the project finished, and they started cutting people. As a result, uh, people I know people who were going in there and who were basically working for free. They were not getting a paycheck, and then MGM pulled the plug when they weren't seeing the milestones be hit. Um, a few years later, we had the um, the I forget the who it was. Was it Perpetual Entertainment? So someone who put out. Um, the, the mobile game for uh, SG-1, which was actually pretty, pretty darn good. They put out two, uh, two episodes of that, and I was really disappointed that the third one didn't come out, and I just think it was just too expensive. We, we get this idea, and the Stargate fan base is really guilty of it when you go into to Facebook and say, well, why can't we have this? Why can't we have that? You know, Because Stargate's just as big as Star Wars or Star Trek. No, it's not. You know, it's it's a fraction of the size of, of them both, the fan base. There are plenty of viewers out there, but they're very casual viewers. There's a reason why when, you know, Gary Jones or someone else comes on and we mention certain fans, they're like, oh, I know those fans, because there's only a certain number of fans that percolate to the top and go to events and things like that. There's that. It's that small of a community. There are plenty of people who casually watch the show, but there are only a certain number of people who are crazy about it. So if you want... To uh, to go forward and have uh, a project uh, come out, you know, you have to be willing to, in many cases, pay for it up front. That's one of the things that's really cool about how well the um, the uh, role playing game did financially. I was very pleased at how at how much um, how how well that that did financially with the Kickstarter. But let me just say, don't. Gar- it's not guaranteed that that the kickstarting platform will always be a thing that you can use. You know, a lot of that is is up to the license holder as to whether or not you can even use that kind of system to draw in money. So we'll we'll see what happens there. Numerous people had to say, <laughs> "What happened to that magnificent painting of McKay and Shepard in Harmony?" Was it auctioned off? Yes, it was. I think this is it. So, um... This is book one of Stargate Artifacts uh, from PropWorks, which I, I produced, and we did, um... Uh, we did two live, uh, auctions. Let me see here. Un momento, por favor. Sold off set pieces. If this isn't the right one, I'm gonna be really embarrassed. Um... Come on, Let's see here. I love these books. We did, we did these um, uh, high quality images on pretty much every piece that we sold. I did all the descriptions for all of them. The images were the real, were the real thing for me. I wanted there to be an existing copy of this content out there, yeah, for the fans to receive. And I mean, these books are pretty much impossible to get now. So, this was the lot for the harmony painting. if it will come into focus here is it going to come into focus uh kinda harmony's victory painting and i can't remember exactly how much it went for um but it did uh it did pretty darned well so i'll I'll put it that way so um PropWorks was one of the uh, one of the was one of the greatest uh, couple of years of my life, um, uh, and it was the only reason that I ever lived in LA. Never lived there again, um, but that was terrific. Uh, yeah, so we sold that. It was auctioned off for sure. That's everything that I have right here. Oh, merchandise. Dial the Gate is brought to you every week for free. And we do appreciate you watching. But if you want to support the show further, buy yourself some of our themed swag. We're now offering t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, and hoodies for all ages and a variety of sizes and colors at Redbubble. And we currently offer four theme designs and hope to add more in the future. Uh, let me see here. Check out is fast and easy. And you can use your Amazon or PayPal account. Just visit dialthegate.redbubble.com. And we do appreciate your support. That's pretty much it. Everything that I've got for you guys. Next week is going to be a pre-recorded show. Uh, we have Carl Binder recorded so far. We have not yet recorded Robert C. Cooper. I'm hoping that we can do that this week. Um, so, Robert, uh, the the interview, the pre-recorded slot may be bumped to later. So, we're going to have to wait and see for that. I'm also going to try this week and sit down and do a review of Stargate SG-1 Season 1 of uh, Concept Art. I'd like to go season by season because I have archives of this stuff. And I'd really like to take you through some of the the concept art that was created for the show. I don't know if anyone's going to watch that, though. It just might be Mr. Fred Rogers just sitting, taking you through the concept art and everyone may go to sleep. But uh, we're going to try it and see what happens. And I need to sit down and organize that. So... There's that. (laughs) So that's going to be happening. Uh, So April the 18th, that's going to, we're planning on premiering that at 11. If I can get my button gear, we'll do that. Carl Binder, we had a wonderful hour and a half conversation with Carl Binder. Talk about a man with a wealth of stories and uh, uh, knowledge from from that production. He was fascinating to talk with uh, and just really, really a joy to have him on the show. And uh, we'll see about getting uh, Robert C. Cooper this week. But if, if not, uh, we may bump that one. Then for April the 25th, Sally Malcolm will be joining us at 10 a.m. Pacific time, Fandemonium uh, founder and novelist. And she may be bringing on a couple of extra novelists. We're not entirely sure, but we'll we'll see about that. That's up for her. So she's definitely going to be joining us uh, from the U.K. Joseph Malazzi will be tuning in with us April 25th at 12 noon Pacific. And uh, for part seven of his discussion with us on season nine of SG-1, and Musetta Vander Shanach from Stargate SG-1 uh, will be joining us April 25th at 2 p.m. Pacific time. Then May the second, Todd Masters, prosthetics makeup artist. I'm really excited about this one. Part of the you know the my love of this program is is to be able to to reach out to people uh, not only that that uh, I, I once knew while the show was in production, but getting a chance to talk with people that I never really had a chance to talk with before. And so Todd's definitely one of them. I mean, and his uh, his wealth of knowledge is is extraordinary the the stuff that he has worked on uh, star trek first contact i mean you know this guy this guy's been around all kinds of, of zombie projects and everything that you can possibly imagine the stuff that he can do with makeup is just outrageous and we're going to talk about that so i'm invite you to ask questions as well i think that's everything that i have for you guys here i just want to uh, give a huge thout, shout out and thanks to tracy and uh the team keith jeremy reese anthony uh summer Uh, jennifer kirby gate gabber linda fury um you guys make the show uh possible and happy birthday again anthony appreciate you doing the show on your birthday so that's all i've got i appreciate you tuning in and we'll be seeing you uh on the other side next week i'm david reed for dial the gate dial the gate is hosted and executive produced by david reed the producer is darren sumner co-produced by linda fury the composer is Neil Acree. Animations by Bryce Orrs. The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith Hommel, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker, Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes at dialthegate.com.